to It's All Her, the podcast. I'm your host, Geordie Lucas. I'm the founder and editor of It's All Her. I was an actress in a previous life and I'm a mum to a toddler. I've got a lot going on and I have a passion for helping women live simpler, better lives. For the latest in lifestyle and entertainment news, head to itsallher.com. Welcome back. I hope you've had a wonderful week. I have recovered from COVID. My fiance ended up getting it and was deathly, deathly ill. Um, so unfortunately, he had to restart his isolation. He tested positive, I think, on day six of our ISO. So he had to then start all over again for another seven days, which was not great for him. We had a getaway booked in on the weekend um, to go plan our wedding. And Evie and I had a girl's weekend instead, which was lovely. I have to say, (laughs) I did feel bad about leaving him home though. Let's get into this week's interview. This week's guest is Isabel Cornish. She's an actress and now an author of her newly released book titled The Why. We talk about her career, her book, obviously, and her experience with ADHD and eating disorders. One of the things that struck me most about this chat was how Isabel said she was grateful for her eating disorder, how it sparked growth for her. And it kind of got me thinking about my anxiety and how I should perhaps put a more positive spin on it instead of seeing it as such a burden. And I think maybe we could all sort of do that with things that we see as burdens or impairments to put a more positive spin on them. Anyway, it's food for thought. Let me know what you think about this chat and definitely check out her book. I'll put all the links in the show notes. Here is my chat with Isabel Cornish. Isabel Cornish, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this week. We are here to talk all about your new book, which is very exciting. How have you been? How has the year started off for you? Yeah, so this year, you know, like... I feel like people say that Christmas is the busiest time, but I think January is just crazy. <laughs> like Christmas, I can deal with the Christmas rush, but January is just nuts. You know, everyone's trying to set their intentions, get back out there, get back into a routine, and then work's flying in the door. So um, I spend the most of January just trying to like not do too much, but also just get clarity on my months forward after that. Yeah. So let's go back to you being a young girl what made you want to sort of get into acting what were your aspirations as a young girl so I've always been obsessed with performing I love Mm. it it's just like a creative like creativity found me I don't think if I found it like it's just so it's been a soul expression for me and ever since like I was in catwalk modeling and TV commercials when I was four and five and I would just like wow down the catwalk just having the (laughs) best time um so it was just I just like loved that that energy I loved Mm. expression and then I went to um we moved to a small town in Newcastle where I lived with my mum well it's not so small now Newcastle's pretty big now um, I lived there with my mum and I wanted to get into acting in film and television from a young age, but we lived three mm. hours from Sydney. Yeah. So I had to wait till I was 16 to be old enough to catch the train down there, do auditions and come back. Yeah. 
during that time, like I went to drama class every week and then I went to performing arts high school from age 13, which I absolutely loved. Oh, and my God, that would have been my dream as a kid. It was just, it was so good for me. I absolutely loved that school. And it was just, I was like, I always was like, I have to act. Like, mm. I, I have to do it. I love it. Like, it was just like, when can I, when can I, when can I sort of thing. <laughs> so for me, it wasn't, you know, it was, wasn't a choice. It was just like, this is what I love to do. And this is what yeah. I kind of want to do. Yeah. So you've had like a really exciting career, but one of the things that like stood out to me was that you were in Nine Perfect Strangers with Nicole Kidman, which is just like mind blowing and Melissa McCarthy. What was that experience like? How did you feel when you got the call that you got that role? It was pretty cool. It was just like, it was, you know, the, we shot half an hour from my house in Byron Bay. So it was surreal. You know, I was working oh, on an American wow. show and yeah. worked on American shows in America before, but it was like, I'm working on an American television show half an hour from my house in Byron Bay. <laughs> like, hang on, what? <laughs> so it was, it was so cool. And it was just so nice to be able to, you know, shoot in Australia and like shoot in Byron. And it was just a really, like, it was a really awesome production to be a part of. Everyone was really nice. Like, it was cool. It was fun. Yeah, I really enjoyed my time on the show. What did you learn from being on set with an actress like Nicole Kidman? Like, I feel like that's just, like, the dream to just even be in that space and just to watch her work. Yeah, she's amazing. I mean, you can feel like you can feel everyone's energy when you're in the room with them. Mm. And it's cool to see the way like how everyone has their own ways that they like to work on set. And yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So let's talk about the book and and some of the themes that you have opened up about in your life and, and your work and everything. You've opened up quite a bit about your experience with eating disorders And I come from an acting background as well. And I was really interested to know whether you think that the pressure that comes from being within the industry perhaps played a part in in you developing an eating disorder. How do you feel about that? For sure. I guess it can play a part, um, you know, but they're so multifactorial. Like there's, I, I, you know, I don't know if like if I wasn't in the industry, maybe I still would have struggled with mm. an eating disorder, um, but it definitely put like a more pressure on me or it made me put more pressure on myself. Yeah. Um, yeah. The modeling industry is kind of like what sparked it. Um, and then also just being a young woman and feeling like I didn't fit in and I was misunderstood. So it was like coping mechanisms. Like I call eating disorders doorways for transformation. And it's yeah. like, so when I started to, you know, I was it, I was using it to kind of like, I was using it as a coping mechanism to survive throughout those crazy years of my life mm. where I was on the other side of the world on my own with no one around. And like, if I thought, I thought, which was a false belief. If I just focused on this and this and this, that the big stuff wouldn't affect me and it didn't matter. Yeah. Realized that those, you know, that was not like stopping me from being the person that I wanted to become. Mm. That's when I started to look at, like, you've got to change it without, you, you can't hate something away. You actually have to look at it with, you know, curiosity and with, you know, the, intention like this is a doorway for transformation okay what's actually going on what do I actually need where can I work and that's when I got introduced to the whole holistic health and eating psychology and 
yeah, so that kind of like transformed my life. And I'm, but see, I'm so grateful because if I didn't go on that journey, yeah, I wouldn't have learned everything that I learned. I wouldn't have the views, um, the perspective that I have today. So I like to say, you know, my poison became my passion and it was essential for my growth. So I, I, in a way yeah. I'm grateful, even though it was difficult. Yeah. And I think that would be, I mean, perhaps hard for some girls or women or men to hear when they're in the thick of it, but it, it is inspiring to hear that you have been able to take a positive out of a situation that was obviously really awful for you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's what we, you know, we're always changing and evolving and we can't go back and change our past, but we can choose, you know, what we take from it and we can take mm. growth or we can take growth and lessons from it, or we can, you know, stay in like a fixed mindset, which is that was bad. So yeah. I always try and I have a practice the um, growth mindset. So I always try and just find the growth and, you know, it's not always easy. We have to take time to let go of those of those past experiences, but it's just a practice of continually checking in and continually being like, okay, that's what I need to let go of. And this is what I can take from that. Do you ever have moments of still struggling with, with food or do you feel like you've, you've conquered no, it? No food for me, like for the, when I was recovering, yeah, you go like four steps forward, one step back. Yeah. But ever since I studied eating psychology, which was a fair few years, like four or five years ago now, um, I've been fine. Yeah, no, like fully, you know, some people say that you can't fully recover, but I don't believe that because I've experienced it for myself. Full recovery is totally possible. Yeah. Yeah. So what were some of the things that you learned in that, in your studies that transformed your mindset? So um, I learned about, you know, holistic health and that, you know, the beliefs um that you know doorways for transformation and I started Mm. to change my attitude rather than like this is bad I shouldn't be doing this to oh what can I learn from this what is this actually trying to show me like what am I what's my controlling around food or exercise or this issue that I have with yeah um with food what is it actually trying to show me so eating psychology is all about holistic health so I like to say this is my analogy that I like to use it's like we have a beautiful body of water a lake or um, a big pool of ocean we have all these streams going in we can't Mm. have dirt in two of the streams and expect it not to affect the huge body of water so for me I was like started to take inventory of all these different parts of my life okay I've you know I'm lacking a spiritual connection okay how can I work on that spiritual connection so I stopped working with food and my body and started to work on other streams yeah which then affected everything which then affected my, me and my life and yeah so it was just like slowly like not doing more but undoing like slowly just like getting back to you know the way I move the way I think you know my connection with earth the earth and the environment my mm-hmm. community around me my beliefs like what can I heal like and that's a slow process like that takes mm-hmm. years but just asking those questions is how we can start to start that process. Yeah. And another thing that you've spoken about as well, and I'm sure that this has been like a healing process as well, is your experience being um, diagnosed with ADHD. In your experience, what were some of the things that were showing up for you that sort of led you to think that perhaps you needed to seek a medical opinion? 
Yeah, so for me, it was like I always knew that I, well, I always thought that I had ADHD. Like I always knew it deep down. And the thing yeah. is I've never, you know, you know, labels are one thing. I feel like I've had I've had such a, you know, growth even since I got diagnosed with ADHD. Mm. I only got diagnosed at age 26, but I knew I had it my whole life. Yeah, wow. So I, you know, from a young age, I just like couldn't sit that you know this doesn't happen for everyone my symptoms particularly Mm. um were you know couldn't sit still couldn't concentrate just always just like seeking um stimulation so I really need lots of stimulation I'm not good at like I can concentrate on three things at once rather than one thing at once but if I try and do one thing that's when I'm like what else is there what else is there do you know yeah yeah then when I'm like acting or doing creative things, all of that goes away because I'm like expressing, expressing and I'm using my skills or my talents or whatnot. So for me, it was just like a very, you know, colorful journey of, you know, not fit, not fitting in, feeling like I was completely different, feeling like the normal world wasn't meant for me, Mm. Um, you know, that, and, my collection of traits is nothing wrong with me. Sometimes there's just, it's just environmental. So if I was in a particular environment, my ADHD would really bother me. But if I'm in the right environment, I don't even notice any negative, like any yeah. negative symptoms at all. Yeah. In terms of, uh, I know that you said before that you don't necessarily like the labels and everything, but did it, was there a power in, in sort of receiving a diagnosis in terms of, okay, well, this is why I am the way I am and this is what I can do to help myself. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely like, you know, you, you go through a journey and then I guess it gives, you know, the more you learn about the self yourself then the more equipped you are to make better choices. So Mm. learning about that, about myself equipped me to look to understand it so there's things now that I better understand myself because of that diagnosis yeah but for me I've also had a varied opinion on it because I feel like um, a lot of people get slapped with this diagnosis and then they don't get any information on healthy habits or holistic ways of dealing with it it's just yeah here's your label there's pills if you want to take them see you later which is where I bump heads because you know I feel like if you live your whole life and you get like these crazy diagnostics, there should be more support. But that's why Mm. I'm grateful that like, that's why I speak about it. And that's why I'm grateful for other people that have podcasts on it to offer support for these people that, you know, all of a sudden get this diagnosis and they're like, whoa, like now. But the thing is, what we have to remember is a diagnosis doesn't change us. We're whole no matter who we are no matter what we are, no matter like what our collection of traits is. And it's like, mm. we've got to look past that. We can have a diagnosis to learn about ourselves. We can't ever make that our identity. We can't ever make that our label. Yeah. Like it's a tool, but it's not us. So yeah. I feel like we constantly have to check in with that because, you know, we think if someone labels us something that we are that thing, but to label is to limit because, you know, human beings, we're limitless really. Like, we change, we grow, evolve. We're capable of so many things that we don't even know about. Mm. So it's kind of been an interesting journey for me. Yeah. And and you've sort of weaved all of this into your book that you've just released. It's called The Why Healthy Habits for an Epic Life. So aside from obviously your experiences that we've just spoken about, what else was the inspiration behind the book? So this book was the book that I wish that I had as uh, I had read. Yeah. So I had- 
a decade of like falling apart, picking myself back up, trying new habits, trying old habits, ancient practices, studying yoga, eating psychology to kind of build the book that you see, the book that you have in front yeah. of you. Like I just like, I used myself kind of as a guinea pig. I was like, I'm going to do I got like everything you possibly like read all the books and did all of the, the um, retreats and everything to kind of like create this tool belt. And that's what yeah. it is. I wanted to, you know, give someone a holistic book that all the practices are free in my book. They're mm-hmm. all simple. They're none of them take like probably more than 20 minutes. Like they're all it's simple, real and attainable. So that's what yeah. I want because I just felt like the health industry is just like bang, 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 bang. Like this diet, yeah. this, like this exercise and people just get so confused. So I was like, Oh, it's overwhelming. It's so overwhelming. And then, uh, you know, and then I didn't, I also wanted to off. That's why I write write about so many different things in my book because I wanted to, you know, that holistic take mm. and just share my story and hope that other people are like, you know, have a, like those things is what helped me break through things that I've struggled with. So my hope is that that people can you know take what resonates with them and then implement those practices into their life. Yeah, you're so right that there's it is completely overwhelming and there's so many different you know, schools of thought when it comes to health and, and wellness. And I feel like January is the time when a lot of people are sort of reevaluating their health and their lifestyle. What are some of your best bits of advice that you can give for living a healthy life? Um, I would say constantly check in and look at places to undo. So we're constantly just taking in information and different beliefs, but like, constantly checking in and being like, okay, that doesn't serve me. I'm going to let go of that. Yeah. This is good. I'm going to keep that, but I'm going to let go of that rather than just letting things come in without checking in and integrating those things because knowledge is one thing, but we don't get wisdom until we integrate it. Mm. So I would say checking in and letting go of things that aren't right for you rather than trying to implement them all or do them all. Yeah. And meditation, just like, it's uh, for a lot of people, it's difficult to start, but once okay. you feel the benefits of it, like it's incredible. Yeah. And, and then journaling, um, taking time to check in, taking time to reevaluate, you know, to express your feelings and your emotions. So from like, they're key for me at the moment mm-hmm. and they're always key for me, but I go through different phases where, you know, I go through a phase where I just like I'm obsessed with dance practice and dance healthy habit and that in my book where yeah. it's, it's like the journaling for me. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, just those three, like I, I believe that could help everyone. Yeah. Where do you get your information from? I feel like especially the last two years, social media has, has become more of a blessing and a curse than it ever has been. Um, in terms of information and misinformation so where do you go when you're perhaps struggling with something or you want to learn about something where do you go for your information books usually books because yeah you, like, if someone's written a book about it I'm going to say that they know a lot about it yeah <laughs> you know like podcasts and blogs like people with not not even with qualified qualifications yeah sometimes give out really important like really you know, advice that should be done by a professional, but I feel like books are just, and they're so overlooked, but you know, people have been writing books for however many long years. And once a book's written, the information doesn't change. So Mm -hmm. it's not like, 
you know, these diets and things where they just get molded over and over and over again. And yeah. then what you read might actually be totally different, different. to what was originally written. So for me, it's just like books, books first, and then, you know, and then going to sources that I trust. Like we all kind of build our like favorite people that we like love their work. So yeah, finding key people that you really value their work and their work resonates with you and then following their journey and continually Mm -hmm. checking in with like information that they're putting out or because you build that trust with them then. Yeah. So if someone was to pick up your book, what, what are your hopes for them to, to get out of reading your book? Um, my hopes are for them to, you know, learn to become a friend to themselves if they already mm. aren't enough of a friend. You know, it's so overlooked that, that you know, we, we're the first person to pick, like, pick on ourselves. And, but yeah. becoming a friend to yourself, to me, also means that, like, you know, pushing yourself when you're not living up to your potential but in a kind, compassionate, nourishing way. It's not always like, you know, you've got to have your own back, but you've also got to push yourself to become a better person. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then I hope that they get inspiration for healthy habits, whether it's journaling methods or whether it's re-inspired to do earth, practice earthing or meditation, that they can integrate those practices into their lifestyle to just make a little, a lot, their life a bit more epic. Yeah. So we're all about making life simpler and better for women. How do you do that for yourself? Keep it, just remind myself all the time, keep it simple. Yeah. Just like whenever I'm like, okay, this is this, 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 and I just come back to keep it simple, right? Yeah. Three things down, just three things at a time and that's it. Yeah. So that's re- that really helps. Yeah, definitely. I think being a friend to yourself is so important as well because you're right, we so easily become our own worst enemies especially when things get stressful and overwhelming yeah definitely Isabel thank you so much for joining us this week I will put all the links and and um where our listeners can find your book it's been great chatting to you thank you so much thank you so much thanks for your time thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of it's all her If you have loved this episode, please rate, review and subscribe wherever you listen. Share it with a friend and I'll be back in your ears very soon.